Welcome back to Lunacico Coffee Chats. I'm Jules Duquette. And I'm Katie Duquette. And this is episode seven. We did miss last week and we want to apologize for that, but we recorded an episode. The sound was absolutely garbage and I had one trouble after the other with our editing software because we had to cut ties with Descript after a series of misfortunes. And so I had to go back to using Premiere, which I'm very rusty at. And then that needed update. It was just, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> we decided it just wasn't meant to be. And then we ended up without internet, like better part of a day. And it just, it was not, it was not happening. It didn't seem to be in the cards. Yeah, it was not in the cards. So we decided that it wasn't in the cards and that we would just skip last week and head directly into this week. Which, well, I don't know if they know we have a big announcement. Because I think we talked about having a big announcement in that episode. I think we've spoken about it before that we had Did something we that was coming. I think maybe we we mentioned that in episodes. Six. Possibly. If not, we have a big announcement. <laughs> anyway, a big announcement. So our big announcement is that we are now offering quantum human design as a huge part of our business model. Yes. I certified in level one and two with quantum human design. We've actually been studying human design kind of on and off for a while. Yeah, years, actually, because I think the first time we found out about human design would have been 2019. And I kind of deep dived then. We both did a little bit. Right. But one of the key issues that we had around human design. And I think the reason that we didn't go too much further at the time was because anybody that has researched traditional human design, which was created by Ruhu, which I'm just going to, because I swear his name is Alan Krakauer. It's something on that order. I think it's Alan Robert Krakauer. Alan Robert Krakauer. You're good. So human design was created by Alan Robert Krakauer, but You'll hear him referred to as Ra-Uruhu, which is what he renamed himself. Exactly. Which I have five. So if you hear of, of anybody talking about Ra, that is who Ra was. And he is the one that essentially channeled human design right. in the 80s and started teaching it all through the late 80s and into the 90s. Um, he passed away, I think, in 2011. Correct. Yeah. So... Anybody that's researched traditional human design knows that the traditional language of human design and a lot of Ra's like original teachings were very much for like kind of a shock value or a shock therapy in a way of trying to get you to awaken Mm -hmm. to a new way of thinking and to decondition is often the term used in human design. And as part of his teaching, there are elements that felt very dogmatic right. to me that felt very almost religious where there was like almost a tone. And again, this is my personal interpretation, my personal experience, but there was a tone of you'll never finish doing this work. And this is just, you know, who you are kind of like doomed to this fate kind of vibe with some of the language. Right. I think, you know, what we need to also point out is that the era is changing. There's a lot of changes going on. And that is what 
law saw is that there were going to be changes. Right. He wasn't ready for those changes, but he was trying to help awaken people to the idea yeah. that we do have a design that we come into our life with, and we do have a design that we begin to work towards and, and to fulfill within our life. And that those two designs, if you're not aware of them, which we usually are not, yeah. because we're conditioned by civilization and by Family our and parents and mm -hmm. by, you know, all Your the genetics. people we're around, you know, by community. Yeah. And so with all of that conditioning, we start to see each, see everything from an external viewpoint that everything's happening to us. And so if we get to learn human design and realize that everything is happening for us, everything is happening in a certain way and we're having certain reactions because of who we really are and how we can react and how we can change that, then we have the opportunity to make some gigantic changes when we start looking at it in the right light. Yeah. And one of the things that pulled me into Karen, and I've made a couple posts about Karen Curry Parker, is the fact that she had kind of a similar take about right. traditional human design language and some of the traditional human design practitioners, which was that there was a dogmatic theme to it. And coming from a Catholic upbringing, there was like a little bit of triggering that occurred with how some people talk about Ra and some people talk about his original text as being, I mean, really they talk about it almost in a way of like Bible level, yeah. you know, takes on it. And I don't think that was ever really how the system was meant to go out into the world because Karen talks about that. She actually trained with Ra in for multiple years and went to like all of the workshops she worked for the original human design corporation and that Ra would even say that he knew the what of the system right. and could teach that, but he didn't really know how it was supposed to be utilized. And I think that's because that wasn't really his job to do. I think his job was to bring human design into the forefront and start teaching it so that it could evolve naturally on its own. The history of human design is that it came in through a neutrino stream through a celestial event in 1987 and that essentially a ton of people got this information it's just that raw got it consciously right and then he spent the rest of his life really bringing that information through and i think and if you look into raw or alan there's some very I'm trying to think of the right word there's mixed feelings. It, controversial is a good word. There's very mixed feelings about him as a human being. And I think that that's okay. Because I think he was meant to bring the system in. I don't think he was meant to be a saint. I don't think he was meant to be a prophet. I think he was meant to bring the system in. And I think that if we probably found some of the forefathers or foremothers of astrology, that there may be some real questionable humans in that area too. But that doesn't really affect whether or not the system works. Yeah. And if you do any research into your chart, if you get a reading of your chart, nine times out of 10, I'd say even higher than that, people go, oh my God, this is dead on. Right. Dead on. And it's more so dead on 
in my opinion and in my experience, than an astrology reading, than you know, mm-hmm. the Enneagram, than Gallup strength testing, or any of those. And I think if you use human design not as a predictive tool, not as a you know, soul contract of how you must live your life and you are doomed to these lessons and this or that. If you use it as a coaching tool in your business or as a coaching tool for yourself, yep. that it can be an amazing resource for you to decondition yourself from, you know, genetic trauma, from your own personal trauma, from societal trauma. And it can allow you freedom to move into alignment with source, with the universe, with, you know, whatever you want to call it in a way that in our experience is unparalleled. Yeah, I have to admit that it really opened up my eyes because there are certain things I've struggled with over the years that I didn't understand why I struggled with it. I mean, for one Mm -hmm. thing, you know, frustration, I would, I could get frustrated over things and just couldn't understand Mm -hmm. why I would get so frustrated over something that probably didn't need that much energy put towards it. But as I started to understand who I am through human design, I started to understand that frustration is a part part of of who I am and that it is a, it's like a signal that I am really close to mastering something. Or something isn't right for you. Or something isn't quite right for me and I should change path. But if I'm working on something, uh, mm. working on a project, it usually is going to be saying to me, you've hit a plateau, Yep. hang in here, and that frustration is there, but let it be there because if you hang in here for a little bit longer, the next step is going to be the step up. Yeah. And, and for context for people that do know a little bit about human design, Katie is a generator. That's the term in traditional human design. In quantum human design, she's called an alchemist. And she is a 5-1 profile. And she has sacral authority. Right. And I am referred to as a manifesting generator in traditional human design. I'm referred to as a time bender in quantum human design. And I am actually a 1-4 profile, which I found out today is incredibly rare. (laughs) Which isn't surprising. Generators, on the other hand, make up the majority of the population. It's said to be 70%. But there was an interesting talk in one of the groups about where those percentages come from. Because I guess originally those percentages essentially came from Jovian and Sunware, which were the only two chart creators. Mm. So they basically tracked what types were being, you know, generated like in the charts and like what areas of their centers were defined or open. And that's where those numbers came from. And I guess Jovian still tracks this, which would be the I think it's mybodygraph.com is Jovian archive. And I guess they still track that. So they have percentages. But there was a discussion about the fact that a lot of people are now generating their charts on like individual chart readers pages, we actually have one that is now live on our page. Yeah. And so those percentages might be wonky now, because I wouldn't be surprised if the percentage of generator types goes down as we go into this new age. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe started leveling out toward the middle. Right. And well, I think because like we said, things are changing. There's a very big change. And I think we've said this before. We have, there is a big change in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. new era. 
We talked a little on bit, the, you know, on the horizon. Yep. We talked a little bit, I believe, about Uranus and Pluto and Saturn and some of the things that those planets have been doing lately. And all of those are talking about major change, the full, full embodiment shift into the Aquarian age, the full embodiment shift into new ideas, new principles, new ways of doing things, deconstructing duality, really, because our our current reality, our 3D reality is very focused on duality. If there's something bad, there's something good. If there's something positive, there's something negative. You know, people are male or female, quote unquote. I'm doing quotations with my hands because gender is far more fluid than that. And we're seeing yes. those things coming about that human relationships are not something you can put in a neat little box and put a ribbon around. They're not black and white. And what that really is, is the fact that we are working toward a time in our world that is going from black and white to black and white and a lot of shades of gray and all the rainbow. Exactly. And yes, that is a slight queer yeah, the rainbow. <laughs> but um, I also think that what's really making a huge change, and you can see it real easily in the world right now, is there are people who want to have it as it used to be, yeah. as it was. The way it used to work. We want to go backwards. That clinging to the old way. Clinging to the old way. And there are those that are going to be involved in, in you know, the change of the era who want to go forward, want to see and a really change, want to showing, see things clean. And are really showing that that change has already happened. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back to the old way or you're saying this is how it should be, that was actually never really truth energetically no and if you you know there's so many different aspects on this and we're seeing it in so many different ways it's not just the gender thing it's not just the sexuality thing it's not just you know open relationships versus closed relationships monogamous versus you know polyamorous it's not just those things it's our political system not just in america but around the world obviously we have a lot of unrest going on in palestine again which i almost feel like the issues around what has happened in Israel around Palestinians and all of that, which is just, I mean, as old as practically the world itself at this point, the last 2000 years have been very, very tumultuous for that area. And I almost feel like when that layers up, it's almost a sign that we have cosmic change on the horizon. Yeah. And I do hope that we are getting to a point where the idea of war to settle disagreements or land disagreements really goes by the wayside. I know this is probably the whole starseed 5D spiritual woo-woo bit of us, but it just strikes me as so weird that that's still a thing that happens in 2023. Like the fact that we're still struggling with wars in different parts of our world, that we aren't unified as human beings is just, so bizarre to me. So bizarre. I do not understand that at all. I think it's part of the of the divide that's going on at the it moment. It is. And it is a symbol of that it divide. It is a definite symbol of yeah. trying to go backwards, trying mm-hmm. to get, you know, what used to be yeah. back again. And I, I hit think you with that's a bigger what, stick. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what the wars are. Because I think there's so a sad. large human you know, a large part of the of mm-hmm. the human race who realizes that war is just plain ridiculous. ridiculous at this point. 
it's really ridiculous. And it, yeah, it, it's a bizarre thing. We won't go down the, the political road, though. Our thoughts and prayers, which, you know, I know are oh, definitely. Lot, our our hopes for the future, I think, is maybe a better way of putting that, are definitely aligned with anyone in that area yeah. that is going through the fallout of really ridiculous and and i understand that some people are thrown into war it's not their choice and i think they're thrown into war because they have to protect themselves their loved ones and those of their community so you know but there's always an initiator but there's always someone (laughs) and the fact that anyone is still initiating conflict resolution in that way is just so bizarre but we have hope for a future that that is not a go-to or even a thing. Yeah, I'm hoping that this is a sign that, you know, those can be the last of Wouldn't the dwindling. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would if be that was the last of that dwindling, you know, era. Concept. Yeah. Concept. But going back to the human design piece that we're offering, we struggled against a little bit of that dogmatic approach of the fact that I had personally seen certain human design readers kind of glorify or hold raw on a pedestal, which was a little bit bizarre if you learn anything (laughs) about him. I am super grateful for him and his spirit that he brought this into the world. I think it's an amazing system that can help a lot of people. But I do want to bring up the fact that he was a polarizing person and that I don't think he was given that information to make him you know, some weird human design deity or, you know, prophet or whatever. And there are, in certain areas of human design history, some culty aspects. But the key thing that I want to take away is that the system itself is separate from what, uh, separate from the dogmatic approach to human design. Right. And I mean, you can definitely find culty communities around astrology, culty communities around all sorts of different spirituality and, you know, energy practices. Unfortunately, I think that's still part of like that duality of people getting in front of, you know, having a community can kind of get a power trip. Yeah, I think you see both sides in all of those communities. You You can see the side that is loving and is caring and and looking out for one another. Mm -hmm. And you can see the side that is saying, this is the way we've always done it. We must stay in this. Like, Very no, much so. Which I think is funny because a huge concept of human design is that there are something called centers, which correlate to the seven chakras. And part of human design is that those chakras, that two of those chakras split off into two. Right. The heart chakra split into the G center and the will center, that the solar plexus split into the solar plexus and the spleen. And that happened in 1751 or 81, I can never remember. But that there was an the evolution... 80. Yeah, one or the other, in the seventeen late 1700s, that there was an evolution of the chakra system. And that is why we have nine centers in human design. And so it's interesting that he talks about evolution. He talks about, you know, coming into a new age, that that was part of the purpose, was to help people awaken. And then there is some aspects of traditional human design that's like, this is the way it is. And it's the whole point of this, that everything's changing, so nothing really stays the same. And you do, you get, you can get those type of people and those type of belief systems in Reiki. You know, you can get it in astrology. You can get it in EFT communities. Like really, 
the culty aspect of some of these, you know, um, groups is the group itself. It's not the system that they're using. Right. And so we want to be clear. And, you know, I think it's something that we've been focusing very big on is that we definitely encourage the opposite of what makes the cult, which is open thought. You can question us. You can question what we're saying. You can ask questions. You can disagree. Uh, we don't think that anyone should self-isolate themselves from their friends and family. You know, we are very, very much into open exploration. And we believe open exploration should involve questioning belief systems because that is how we become bigger, better people. And so I think it is important to acknowledge that there are some pockets of human design that definitely have a culty tone or a dogmatic approach to the material. And that's not what quantum human design is. And one of the reasons that I got re-interested in learning human design was because of Karen Curry Parker and the fact that she really is very aligned with the values that we have, which is that times are changing, that duality is coming to an end, that, you know, that everything that's going on is very easily seen in the charts that we're, we're seeing for transits and the like, and that we needed as, as a community, as a world, we needed more awakened language, which is what Karen did as she took the Rave Ching from traditional human design and she really pulled it into awakened language that was much more positive, much more enlightened, much more, much more a coaching tool as well. Like quantum human design is really geared toward coaching people to a better life. So there isn't the, the doom tone right. that some of traditional human design has. And, and for a particular example, what I'm talking about, when I was originally looking into human design, I got, I, I believe his name is pronounced Shaitan Parker, and I could be wrong on the pronunciation. I'm not sure. But he has a book of human design that I think it really mostly focused on like profiles. I think it maybe got into gates as well, but it was very focused on the profiles. And I just remember reading the profile information for my type, which is one four, and the the names for the profiles in traditional human design are like real. Yeah polarizing <laughs> in and of themselves like things like the heretic and the martyr and there's a lot that you're like I don't think I want that as something I would call myself um but I remember reading it and being like this does not a resonate with me at all and b this is like really negative like it was very much focused on the shadow aspect of the profile which original human design was, was very focused especially on. when Ra was you know was designing it and working with it yeah he was working with the shadow aspect Mm -hmm. but i don't believe we're still so much in that shadow aspect of you know of our evolution and And that's what karen was finding as well is that she had a lot of clients that had already done a lot of deconditioning had already you know done a lot of work around reiki or eft or other you know modalities like that and they weren't looking into where their shadows were because they had kind of already learned those lessons. And I think that's how I felt reading that was like, well, I really don't like that. This is something that felt like it was trying to be put on onto me. And it felt more like a labeling than a soul curriculum, which is how Karen refers to the human design is that this is your soul curriculum. These are the lessons you came in to learn. These are the areas that you may have limitations or feel like you have limitations, but, none of us really have 
any limitations at the end of the day if you live in alignment with your chart limitations is something that is a concept more than a reality and i think that some people look at the chart and go oh well these are my problems and they always will be or my you know theme is frustration so my emotional theme is frustration so obviously i'll just just always be frustrated or i'm a manifesting generator (laughs) so i'll always be angry and frustrated or and if i get angry and scream at people i'm justified because that's my chart (laughs) not exactly and that is not the purpose of this the purpose of this is to learn from your chart to decondition to i think really it's a really great way of of accepting yourself yeah what i was getting out of it is that i really feel like the reason we were so drawn to it and the reason we wanted to bring it into our into our coaching is because it's a way of finding your authentic self it's a way of knowing totally really knowing yourself and knowing yourself in a way that accepts yourself that understands that you are enough that understands you have everything you need within you and that you always have had and you always will have and that what other people say about you and other people treat you as has nothing to do with you it has all to do with them Mm -hmm. that's their life story not your life story and that's what i was drawn to and i think you were drawn to in order to bring into our coaching mm-hmm. is something that helps you find your authentic self because all the way from the beginning when we first started we were talking about how to make a business successful was to make it authentically you yeah and to bring in i know a big part of it for me as well that I was using astrology and I was like kind of aligning with it, but also kind of not because right. astrology is a very large system. Anybody that's really studied like beyond their sun sign knows that it's a massive system and there's a lot of conflicting information. And depending on what you want to research, there's very limited information yes. on it. And I was aligning to some parts of it, but there were other parts where I was like, no, like this is almost too complicated for what I'm looking for because I was looking for a coaching tool to be able to know who my clients were, what type of problems they might be facing, where limiting beliefs might be living right under the surface and kind of, you know, hidden, you know, under rocks kind of thing. And to me, astrology did that to a certain degree. And I learned a lot about, you know, different aspects, especially with like Chiron, but there was an aspect of it being almost too big to be functional tool for, my clients to take on board like where do you start how do you implement and things yeah. like that and I struggled because I, I liked there were certain aspects that I really liked with Gallup strengths that I've talked about before but there was also a lot of limitations to what you could or couldn't do with the material and now going into human design I think there are some significant issues with how the system is designed and in, in comparison to your human design but I wanted something that I could take on board that would immediately give me insight into somebody that I could help them not only with their business, but with their life and get into alignment with consciously creating their future. Exactly. And human design, I can say without a shadow of the doubt, is the cleanest system, cleanest tool that I've found to do that. And there are a ton of coaches like Karen and like other people involved in quantum human design that can say, for sure, this is one of the most powerful coaching tools you can ever get your hands on. Again, for self-coaching or for coaching others. Yeah, what 
what also comes out of it, like you were saying, that it helps you to understand your clients, not just your clients to understand themselves. And that's really a big part of this is it helps you to interact with other people. It helps you Mm -hmm. to understand your side of the interaction and understand their side. And that's, that's a big part of it because it works well in families. It works well in businesses. It works well. And that was something that I did like about Gallup Strength is, and this is similar, is it gives you a vocabulary for how you are. Yeah. In a context that you can start understanding other people and that you can have that person understand their chart and you can understand your chart and then you can see where there may be disconnects. Right. And you can come to a better understanding of realizing this is just a place where we disconnect, not a place where I'm wrong or you're right or, you know, whatever. You can see a lot of misunderstandings in things and how relationships are naturally designed to work with different types. I know I've spoken before. Well, I don't know if I spoke on here before, but I used to do some tutoring for my father. And I know I told you that, that what I found as I would tutor is that I do a whole lot better bringing something to somebody if I was willing to, to see it from different aspects. If I was willing to understand them, I could bring it to them in their light. I know I had one young man that I was helping with algebra. He couldn't understand it. So I started talking to him about what did he enjoy. He enjoyed race cars. So I was able to take the algebra and turn it into problems that had to do with cars, that had to do with racing, had to do with location. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what human quantum human design, yeah, I can talk, quantum human design does is it helps us to see the other person from a viewpoint that makes it easier for us to find a way of communicating, no matter what. And I think it's interesting, and this was something that kept bringing me back to human design after stepping away from it originally when we were researching it, was that I would see coaches that seemed to have a more enlightened approach to the system, that seemed to have a more positive, awakened approach to Mm -hmm. the system that confused me because I was like, I've read the source material and where are they getting this very (laughs) positive side of this? Because when I was looking into it, it was not right. And I remember like really even understanding when I saw those people and was watching different stuff was, well, it it really must matter who you get taught from, where you get, you know, certain aspects that are less, you know, doom and gloom. There was a lot of doom and gloom in the original material. And I know something that was interesting with Karen, and I do feel like this is true, and she talks about that people that study human design are often called to study human design. There's a sole impulse that this is right for you. And we definitely felt that calling, not with the traditional human design material, but when we found Karen and started looking at her stuff, we were like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this this is the part that I was looking for. I knew the human design had nuggets in there, but I couldn't see all of them. And with Karen, it was like, oh, this is the piece we were missing. And she was talking about that when you were taught human design directly from raw, that it was more of a transmission than an actual class, that you weren't really taking notes, that you weren't, you know, um, studying in a traditional aspect, that 
everyone would just kind of sit in silence, listen to him for eight hours. And at the other end, they wouldn't take any notes, but they knew the material. And there was a energetic transmission going on when you were educated from raw in those original courses. And she worked with the Institute until about 2005. I think it was like 98 to 2005 that she was involved with raw. And I think that has a lot to do with it, that there is a very energetic, it almost reminds me of, of Reiki attunements. There is kind of an attunement to the chart. And a lot of people mm-hmm. have a very visceral reaction to seeing the body graph for the first time or seeing right. their chart for the first time, because there is that like soul knowing that I goes agree. on with it. And I definitely didn't feel that with the original body graph as much as I did with the language of quantum human design. Right. And I have seen more and more human design readers, especially in the last, really the last year. For one, I've seen more human design readers, period, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last right. year on social media and in different groups. But the other piece of it is that I've seen a lot more positive, awakened, attuned language and approach to human design. And I think that this is a time for that. It is. I think that we're really coming into a time where this is really kind of mass critical. And for any people that that do, you know, know what I'm talking about with star seeds and like, you know, 5D and all of those things, I think that we're coming into the age that we were sent here for to bring people into alignment with who they truly are. And that's really what the chart is about, is bringing you into alignment to who you truly are. And one of the key things that we want to talk about is that we talk a little bit about law of attraction and both Katie and I have had kind of a misalignment with the term law of attraction. Yeah. Even. And not with the the principle of it. No, the I conscious love the creation. The conscious creation piece of law of attraction is very aligned. And it, you know, you hear Abraham talking about mm-hmm. it as well. Conscious creation. Conscious co creation is very much aligned. But I think what law of attraction has become in the mainstream exactly. is what we're not fully aligned to, which is very focused, I feel, externally. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, well, you need to journal this exact phrase, or you need to write this thing on a glass of water, and then you need to put it under your pillow, or whatever. Whatever. Whatever the little tip trick strategy, you know, session is. And the big dream charts and all of that. Right, a huge vision board and all of these things. And I'm not saying that those can't work. I think they can, and I think they do for a lot of people. I think they did, especially. I agreed. I think a lot of those worked a lot better 10 years ago. They, they are for now. some people now. And if you have had a plateau with law of attraction, mm-hmm. I can definitely understand why. And we've had a similar experience recently. And I think for one, the point of creation and the way we create is changing mm-hmm. as we move away from the duality. Because if you think about traditional law of attraction, especially as Abraham has taught it, it was all about duality. You don't want this. You want this. Contrast. And all of that. Well, if we're moving away from duality, that means the way we create and the way we, we create what we want is going to shift. And one of the frustrations that I'm sure people have had with law of attraction is they'll say, well, it doesn't work for me, right? Which they mean the positive end of law of attraction right. isn't working for them, <laughs> to be clear. It's but working for them. It's not the way they want. the way they want. But like they'll say an exercise didn't work or this didn't work or they tried learning this or that, but it didn't you know, pan out for them in the way that they desired. And I think one of the key issues was that, well, there's a limiting belief or there's something holding you back or 
what have you. And no one can tell you at the face value, well, this exercise will work for these people. And if this is you, then this will work. And if it's not, then just step away. And what we've found with the human design chart already is that the human design chart is a way for us to tell you what will and won't work Yeah, to a large degree on a large many topics. We can look at certain aspects of the chart and we're delving even into the deeper levels of it now, but even the surface starter beginner information human design will tell you a lot about how you're running your business and if you're running your business in alignment or if you're running your business into a burnout fire we can you know see a lot of aspects of where you would have limiting beliefs potentially where you have you know big t or little t trauma that we've talked about the areas of your life that you maybe need to get into alignment with the areas that you may not know it are not really you Exactly. Because there's a lot of areas in the chart that show you, oh, you may think that this is who you are, but that's actually false. Yeah. And when you realize those things, it opens up a whole slew of answers for you. Well, they use the word conditioned Mm -hmm. in in human design. And the process of deconditioning. And deconditioning. And your very first, let's say, five to seven years of your life, you're a sponge. Everything that you hear, everything you see, everything you feel, you just soak that in. And it's and you came into this life knowing the stuff about you, who you are, what you need to do, all of that. But a lot of what you came in knowing is part of what's going to get conditioned out of you mm-hmm. in that first to seven years. Very much so. And also... Another point is that we now know a lot more about epigenetics. And a part of epigenetics is that we now know that we carry up to 14 generations of genetic trauma. And it makes sense if you think about it on an instinctual level, right? We are mammals. And if you think about it in terms of animals, animals, I can't talk either, animals, (laughs) that there would be great value in knowing, you know, getting bad vibes about a certain colorful, you know, insect. Yeah. You know, or around bears or around areas bears are in. There's a lot of value to that or knowing that a certain tribe is dangerous, Mm -hmm. right? There's value in those aspects. And obviously, as we evolved, those became a little bit less valuable. And your spleen is where we really hold fear your spleen doesn't know the difference between a bear attack and somebody telling you to get on stage and give a speech. It doesn't know the difference between those things. It doesn't know the difference between a certain tribe being very unhealthy for your tribe 14 generations ago. That really doesn't matter anymore. Right. And I think that that shows a lot, especially when, because originally the information I heard about epigenetics with generational trauma was four generations. And that made sense to me because If you think about a lot of people of color, especially in America, four generations ago was still very, like, even two generations ago, even one generation ago, even now, (laughs) there's a lot, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of racial trauma in that. And then you go back 14 generations. Well, even, even for women. Oh, definitely. Because when I was a child, showing my age. When I was a child, a woman couldn't even have a bank account. Yeah, which is just okay. Staggering. So even in my own lifetime, yeah, 
you can already see it. So imagine going back generations. And I think you see that in a lot of in a lot of people still, right? Like if you think about in context of women, and then again, there's always that extra layer if you're a woman of color yeah. versus a white woman, that there are blocks that women have in business especially that are particular to women or women or people that have had a feminine experience, right? That identify as femme. That there are traumas, there are holdups, there are limiting beliefs that are very unique and special snowflakes for us that yeah. men really don't face. No. Right? There's the concept of that is talked about with manifesting women and manifesting generator women, which is the idea that an angry woman, and again, extra layer to people of color, that an angry woman is a really disgusting thing. Yeah. That women aren't supposed to be angry, that women aren't supposed to show their anger. That you're being emotional. That you're being emotional or you're being a bitch or, you know, whatever. Mm. That it's a very negative aspect. And I think a lot of women have a lot of trauma around speaking their mind because they don't want to be perceived in this way or that way. Yeah. And those things really are not even just from, again, our conditioning in our society at the time that we were raised or our parents were raised, but it goes a lot deeper than that on a genetic level. And that trauma is still in there. One of the things that we talk about on the woo-woo side of quantum human design is that when you heal and decondition yourself, you're actually healing and deconditioning backwards and forwards, which means that you're healing and deconditioning your ancestors and healing generational trauma for your ancestors as well as your descendants. Exactly. And I think that's pretty awesome. I know the one thing that we saw when when we really connected with quantum human design was that this was something we could bring to our clients, that we could bring to our podcast, that we could bring to people and push out into the world that would help heal so many, would help heal your wounds, Mm -hmm. your fears, Mm -hmm. your beliefs about yourself, and would give you much more strength in moving forward in, say, a business or in life, period. It really would help to encourage you. And so that is why we're so excited to be able to bring this to you. Yeah. It's because we really see its worth. It's done so much for us already. Certain things things happen and all of a sudden I can say, oh, now I see why I'm feeling kind of frustrated at the moment. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, this makes sense. Or you know, wow, I started to react in the way I normally would have reacted. But now I realize that was never really the way I felt. That doesn't even make sense with who I am. Why am I going down that road? And I start to see myself in a different light. And I know you will too. And that's Mm -hmm. what's so exciting to us is that we can bring you something so healing and so helpful. Because again, like I think a huge part of what Abraham teaches is that you are not your beliefs. You are not the story that you're currently telling yourself. And I think that that's a hard thing to conceptualize and to be able to deconstruct or decondition from. And with the chart, you can start to realize it's not actually that I don't know enough, which would be gate 48 in the spleen. (laughs) It's actually not that I don't know enough. That's actually not the problem. No. That's just a lesson that I need to learn is that I 
do know enough and that of course I'll learn more, but that doesn't mean that I should stop what I'm exactly. doing. And those are the things or that gate 12 on the other side of the spleen, that there's a perfectionism, that this needs to be perfect in order to be done. And if it's not perfect, I can't move forward with it. The perfectionism idea. You can start seeing that's not actually me. That's a lesson that is activated in my chart that I need to do some work around. I need to do some EFT around. I need to do some meditating on, journaling on, whatever. And it does help you not let those things stop you from moving forward. And I think that's really the powerfulness of it. When you know your open centers, for instance, are honestly more important to really learn about in a lot of ways than your defined centers. Yeah. Because we learn big time. We learn that the open centers are actually kind of not self themes. That when you have open centers, you can experience those centers where you think that they would be defined, but they're actually that's not yours. That's not for you. That you're really a mirror. You're yeah. amplifying other people's definition. And you can especially see this when you start doing your parents' charts, your sisters, your yeah. brothers, your friends. You can start going, that's not actually my defined thoughts and beliefs and stories about somebody else's. I think a lot of people have experienced this. We have this is actually fairly rare at this point to have defined head centers, head and yeah. ashna, which would be in traditional chakra systems, your crown and your third eye. And we have two family members that have defined ashna. And the ashna is very much your beliefs and your ideas, your firm ideas very around firm. things. And when it's defined, you are not very changeable on those things. Can you grow? Can you learn? Can you evolve? Of course. But you are going to be in a much more fixed state around especially belief systems than people that have an open ashna. And I'm sure people have experienced this, but when you're in the constant, that's the word I was looking for, the constant interaction with people, like when family systems especially, and then you go off to college or you go move into your own place and you start really deconstructing a lot Mm -hmm. of things that you took on as your own belief system and realizing, oh, I don't really believe that anymore. That is oftentimes one of those cases where either your family system creates defined centers with, you know, combinations of gates, or maybe you had a defined parent or sibling that you really took on their beliefs as your own because you saw them as strongly. Yeah. And open system, open centers, sorry really have that potential for you to take on other people's crap and think it's yours. Yeah. And it's not. I know I am basically supposed to be a very calm person and I have an open emotional center. I took in the emotion of everybody, which made me less calm because, you know, I started to feel more Mm -hmm. emotional towards things because that's what I was around. I mean, I, I grew up with some emotions that were quite strong going on by certain people. And I... You were taking that in and amplifying it. I would it. take it in and amplify it. I'd react to it. Yeah. And so I didn't know. I was shocked to find out that I am supposed to be totally calm because I've had people say, well, you know, you're very reactive. Well, I am reactive. I, I have a spleen that's defined and that is a reactive side of things but not emotionally reactive i don't Mm -hmm. have that and so it's interesting to find out how you were conditioned during life because a lot of times you would think an emotional solar plexus 
if it were defined, that's where you'd find your empaths. And it's actually the exact opposite. If you have that center open, those are the empaths because they are taking in and amplifying and mirroring other people's emotions, which is what an empath is. And those open and defined centers, again, just looking at the very surface beginner information of type, strategy, authority, profile, what your centers are open or closed can give you such a massive, massive insight into who you are, how you handle things, how you could handle them better. I know a huge piece for me was truly understanding emotional authority as a manifesting generator and understanding why when I've made impulsive decisions in the past, they generally don't pan out great. And that I have a tendency to be very reactive with decisions because I have that almost wrong sense of going with the sacral response and not waiting out an emotional wave, Right. which is what an emotional authority is, is that you have to wait through your emotional wave before listening to your sacral as a manifesting generator. If you're an emotional authority in a different type, it's a different situation for you. But for generators that have an emotional solar plexus that's defined, you have to wait through a wave. You are not designed for impulsive decisions. And for manifesting generators in particular, you can often feel like you are designed for that. Yeah. But that's not the best thing for you, especially with really big, important decisions. You're actually much better off going through a wave of understanding that the answer is the same throughout time of whatever your wave looks like. And there's ways of knowing what that wave pattern is via the gates that are activated for you, but that you need to wait it out. And for me, understanding the concept and all types have to wait in one area or another. Right. Um, there's a lot of ideas that generators don't have to wait as long because they have active sacrals and still not sure everybody has to wait for something. And I've never, ever been a patient person, not a patient person. In Gallup Strengths terms, I'm a number one activator, which would be a very initiating person, which I think is hilarious because I think that's the manifesting piece of my manifesting yes. generator. Mm-hmm. It's my motorized throat. But the thing that now I see with human design is that if you lived in accordance with just your top 10, you could still be living against your design. And I think that's why I've struggled with certain aspects of it. And with knowing that I'm better off waiting and that I'm not waiting for some ambiguous thing and knowing how to make decisions that I'm not going to have like major regrets around and knowing how to make decisions in an aligned way that's aligned with my higher self. Right. And how I'm designed is a huge piece. It is. Huge piece. And I think it's huge for everyone because I think everybody is looking for, am I in alignment with my life purpose? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this right for me? And I think it's especially the case for entrepreneurs where you're wondering, like, is this the right thing? Or am I just knowing that I want to work for myself? Is this the right thing for me to work with myself? Because a lot of entrepreneurs try multiple ventures before they find the thing that they're actually supposed to be on the mark with. And so knowing how to make those decisions is something that I don't think you can really find in such a concise, clear way as you can with human design. I agree. And that's what we want to bring people. We want to bring that alignment piece and we want to show you these are the limiting beliefs you need to learn on. And we have tools to help you you know, learn on those so that you can move past that. And this is how you can go and live in the world in a less reactive state 
and you can be more deliberate with creating. We're even talking about doing some some lives or we are going to be yeah definitely yeah, doing doing those. some lives and doing some quick chart quick reading. chart reading, which would mean you know if you get your if you get your design. Which is free on our website. If you go to Lunacico, L-U-N-A-C-C-O dot design, at the very top bar, there is a button that says get your free chart. If you go to that button, enter your information. It is important that you know your birth time and location as close as possible. There are certain aspects of the chart that won't be accurate if you're not dead on with your time and location. And you will get your free chart. You can download it along with a free report that kind of gets you gets you starting. Yeah, you're starting you a little info. start here. Little taste. Yeah. And then what we'll be doing is doing some quick mm-hmm. chart reading. So if yep. you were to submit your chart to us, then we would give you a quick reading yep. about what this says about you so that you can see just how quickly you can already exactly. start to get that information, how quickly you can yep. start to feel like, oh, I'm seen. And that's what I saw. Yeah, I felt like, I'm seen. Somebody actually sees me. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really eye-opening to me. It was even more eye-opening that I could see myself, which was kind of which was kind of interesting because I think that sometimes, you know, when we put up a mask to the world, I think sometimes we're putting up the mask to ourselves just as much, if not stronger. And that's how I felt around the activator piece, my Gallup strengths versus my human design right was that that was almost i feel like gallup strengths was the person i was trying to be that i had some success around or some some automatic response around yeah then who i actually am or who i'm actually supposed to be if i decondition if i can get rid of some of those limiting beliefs and some of those areas if i can work on those areas and i think there's also a piece we talked a little bit about the sometimes the trap of self-improvement because there becomes this feedback loop of always yes. needing to improve more. And I really feel like with human design, there's a self-acceptance that happens yeah. that moves beyond improving something. Mm-hmm. That there's a self-actualization that happens when you work with your design and you work on deconditioning the areas that aren't actually you. And you really start living in alignment and you start create creating insane improvements because when you step into your value and your worth and stop trying to fix something exactly i think a lot of us have this aspect that if things aren't going great for us we did something wrong there's something that we need to fix there's something going wrong we did something you know in error what am i missing what am i missing with human design, having your chart, having a re- having readings at different levels, you don't have this idea that anything is missing or anything is wrong. And that a lot of times the things you were taking as being a signal of something wrong is actually the signal that everything's about to go really right. Yeah. And again, I'm, I've never been a patient person. Patience isn't something that I ever wanted to learn. It wasn't something I was really working on for myself didn't seem to be something I really, you know, had any interest in. And I think a key thing here is that I'm getting more comfortable with the concept of waiting for the right thing. And for restoring and replenish, we talk a lot about sustainable business. And to me, that means that you're building a business 
not just about revenue, but also about rest and ease and mm-hmm. flow. And I think that's a missing piece in business. And I think it's a, going to become a very glaringly missing piece as we move forward. I think that's why burnout is such a huge discussion yes. is because of the fact that really we're all designed to have work be only part of the equation, yeah. even if you're a generator type, which are the builders, the workers. Yeah. And knowing how to wait in ease is something I've always struggled with. Waiting for things is never something I was good at. And I think understanding what I'm waiting for, understanding how to see what I'm waiting for, has created a lot of comfort around the concept of waiting. Which is awesome. Which is not something I've ever had. It's bringing me a lot of peace, a a lot of ease and flow. And I know the more we get into this, the more things will change. And things have already changed very dramatically in the last in the last couple of months. Yes. And we literally, literally manifested two hundred dollars out of nowhere. Literally out of nowhere. I manifested two hundred dollars out of nowhere mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. month. Without asking for it, without striving for it, without journaling about it. It just showed up. It just showed up. And I think that there's a there's a woman that you should totally follow on Instagram because she's fabulous and I love her and she's so beautiful. No one has a right to be that gorgeous. She's such a inside and out, which I think is a, a key point. It's limitless living underscore fit, I think is her. I think that's right. I know it's Francesca Patai, something like that. And she's just this amazing human being. And she's recently been talking a lot around being worthy because you're worthy. Yeah. And I think that that's something that that human design can really help you find. Yep, limitless living underscore fit. Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce her last name at all, but it is Francesca. <laughs> yeah. And human design helps you find that self-worth and that value and it allows you to embody that. Well, I I think the thing we were saying before is that about evolution and about the way the world is evolving, it's evolving to a place where unless you have a business that is authentic, is holds value, is is truly caring about the people that they're they're working with. Heart centered, heart centered, soul led. The businesses are not going to be thriving. They yeah. seem to be at the moment. Yes. But they're not going to be thriving because people are becoming very aware of who they're doing business with now. There's so many out there that they're they're pinpointing in. And what they're pinpointing into is, does this feel authentic? Does this resonate with me? Does this show me my values back? Exactly. Does it mirror what I want to see? And And the more we go into the evolution that's occurring, and there are some big shifts occurring to the chart in human design in 2027, I think the further we get into this, and I have felt this intuitively for a very long time, that the old way of advertising, the old way of marketing is dying, and it's dying fast. And one of the issues that I had around, you know, helping other businesses, as a web designer, as well as a coach, was how do I help prepare people for what's the changes happening? Because I know that this stuff isn't going to work very long. Exactly. I know that this is changing and that people are getting more alert to the fact 
that this is a type of manipulation because it if is you are if you're trying to get somebody to buy what you have and you if it's not very good especially but that there is a, a level of manipulation in a lot of marketing and advertising and that's what is often taught in marketing and advertising and i think we are finally moving fully into an era where attempting to manipulate somebody to buy a thing versus giving people the information and the benefits and giving them the story and the value yeah. of what you offer, the manipulation is going to stop working because people are getting very subconsciously in tune they to are. the manipulation. And you can know it just with yourself. If you scroll through Instagram, how hard is it for you to spot where the ads are? Yep. And how quickly do you scroll past them often? Yes. The reason that some of the, I immediately just thought of some marketing that really works well, a lot of it is because it's funny or it's engaging, excuse me. And that's what makes us watch. Like, I don't know how many Mint Mobile. Yeah, I've watched a lot of those. I watched, I guess he (laughs) sold it. So that's going to be disappointing. But I watched so many Mint Mobile ads because Ryan Reynolds is hilarious. He's a lot of fun. And all of those ads like had a storytelling aspect. They were funny. They were engaging. It felt like you were watching a skit. I agree. And those are the things like they are going to continue to work because they're not just trying to manipulate you. They're trying to entertain or educate or actually connect. Yeah. I think in the past, marketing was all about pain. It was Mm -hmm. find those pain points, bring up those pain points and tell them you can fix them. And I think now it should be gearing more towards vision. I believe this is the vision you have for your business. This is Mm -hmm. how I can help you obtain that is a whole much. It's a whole lot more positive. And I know that I have gotten, and and I know you have too, we've gotten where if there's something negative going on, something dramatic going on, something that's supposed to bring me down, I will swipe on. I'm moving on. If -hmm. someone's talking about something in that terms to me, I I totally block it out. I don't wish to engage with drama. I don't wish to engage with negativity. I don't want to engage with those things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to engage with ads for something that are asking me to think about what's hurting you now and what do you want me to help? Are you miserable in your business? Hate your business? Do you (laughs) wish you worked at Walmart? (laughs) Yeah, those types of things really... Because there was like there was a point, and a, a lot of people are still doing it, where you start the storytelling part of the copy of a sales page would be to tell them a story of the pain they are yes. currently in, and then give them a wow bang solution, which is your thing, and you kind of leave them in the pain so that they are manipulated to yes. buy now because yeah. they are fully activated and how uncomfortable they are. And I think that what we want to work toward is a little touch of you may be feeling X, Y, Z now. Right. Let's talk about how you could be feeling where you want to go and how we can help you get there. Yeah. Let's get past that real quick if we can. And then let's move on to what is your vision? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to be? And how do you feel you can get there? And let's see whether that works for you. Maybe there's some little workarounds that are needed, maybe a little tweaks here or there. But let's work towards your vision. Yeah. And that's our, our yeah. intro. 
that's our intro. We are obviously very passionate about this. I do want to say that, so I'm, I'm certified in QHD, which is quantum human design by Karen Curry Parker. We're also learning about certain aspects of traditional human design that resonate with us. And that at our core, we are always going to be intuitives first and foremost. And we're doing a lot of studying. Both of us are doing a lot of studying in Yes, we both are in quantum human design and in human design to take this forward. Mm -hmm. But the the intuitive piece, if you book a reading with Luna Seco, there will be, for one, there is the only part that I'm a little bit mixed about with the quantum human design is it can be confusing to people that are familiar with traditional terms. So we will use a lot of this slash in quantum human design is this kind of terms. I think the profiles, I don't think I'm going to touch the traditional human design names because they're real bummers. Yeah. To be honest. But so a lot of, most of the language will lean toward quantum, but that we are intuitive readers. And so a huge part of our human design readings are still going to be, this is the intuitive message that I specifically got to share with you about your chart today. Yes. And if you have questions that maybe are a little bit beyond human design or beyond this or that, we'll pull a card. We'll, you know, do a quick reading. And that part of it will be a part of our readings because really, I think what we're being led to is taking the amazing foundation that Karen has provided us. Yes. And building on top of that in an intuitive aligned way. And so there may be things that we, say about certain aspects that are what we've intuitively received about certain aspects of human design. And so know that that going in, we always talk about it when we do Oracle readings that we are intuitive readers. So if you have the same deck, you might not get the same message from the same card. And that is something that we're definitely bringing into human design as well is that we're using the foundation again, that Karen has been amazing enough to spend the last 20 years building for us and that she also states she wants us to be able to bring in our own our own energy flavor yeah yeah karen talks about that this should be a foundation and that you know use her language until you have your own language and we're already developing our own language around a lot of what we've learned and i do feel like that is largely because i do feel a transmission attunement level from from learning from her and from her books and from her videos Check her out on YouTube. Her, Karen Curry Parker on YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes as well because she has amazing information about transits. She's got mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. We'll be doing a lot of videos about the beginning aspects of human design for people that want to know. We're not going to focus on the history of where no. it came from. I don't think it's Because necessary. honestly, similar to when we talk about law of attraction, I'm not going to give you the quantum physics definition of why law of attraction works and, no. or, you know, we're not as much about the history of where we came from as much as we're about where it's going. And we're a lot more about the practical ability that human design has to help people than we are about using the traditional guides as, as a Bible and you know, telling those stories on a mountain. Yeah, I think we're talking about the now yeah. and the future. And again, we are super appreciative that the information is out there and that I'm, and I know he didn't have an easy go of it getting it out there. And we're very grateful for what came before, but we are very focused on using what 
the information that's out there, using our education around human design to bring people into the new age and bring people into alignment with who they really are and who they want to be. And that's really our purpose. Exactly. So that's what we'll be focusing on in the readings. We're not going to do a whole bunch of blog posts around the history and around all of that. If you're curious about that, there's plenty of information out there about the systems that yeah. quantum, that human design and quantum human design stem from. There are a lot of aspects of astrology about I Ching, which I know is not how it's properly pronounced, but in the Western world, that's how it's yeah, pronounced. That was said. <laughs> and I don't know how it's pronounced in the world, but I Ching Kabbalah is is has influences obviously the hindu chakra system is heavily involved but human design is more than the sum of its parts and so while it pulls information from those ancient modalities and those ancient systems it is its own thing yeah and it it takes turns in different directions so we're going to be much more focused about how you can use human design in a practical way in your business and in your life to get into alignment to get into flow and to be able to consciously and deliberately create your future. Because yeah. that's really what we're we're working toward ourselves and for the people we're working with. Exactly. If you're interested in a reading, we have readings up on the site as well. We're doing 60-minute readings currently, which are beginner readings. We'll be adding on more readings as we go. And those are currently 122. You can book with either me or Katie for those readings. There will be an intuitive aspect to them. You can get your chart for free and download it. And they're really pretty. They're in iron colors, which are very, <laughs> very cute. Yes, and she I designed do. them, of course. <laughs> and I do. See. You can download that chart. You can also download a short guide. If you scroll all the way down on the chart, there is a download of a quantum human design report that is a few pages long that give you a little definition into your main parts, namely your type, strategy, authority, and profile. And we'll be putting out more in-depth reports as the months go on and more in-depth readings and doing more and more human design content. And it's not so much that we're switching to human design content as much as we now finally have language to put on a lot of the stuff that we were already wanting to focus on. Can I also say that a beginner reading doesn't mean you're not getting much for 60 minutes and we're just regurgitating no. a little a beginner reading is a beginner reading for the reason that you can only absorb mm -hmm. so much and this but is the it's most very in-depth. Yeah. Your type strategy and profile are the most foundational pieces. Yeah. Of your well, your type, your strategy and your authority are the most foundational pieces. And if you even just walk away with that information, you'll be able to implement it and see changes. Yeah. And that's what we're focusing on in that first reading is really your type, your strategy, your authority. We'll get a little bit into your profile because again, it, it is still a very complex system and there are a lot of pieces to it. And to go through every aspect of your chart would take a lot more than an hour oh, <laughs> and goodness, would be yeah. way more than most people could take on board yeah. in one time. <laughs> You'd be saying, you stop, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think long-term we'll probably be doing bundles where you'll have kind of a journey with the human design reading. So you can buy a bundle of you start here, implement that a little bit. And then we come through kind of like a coaching package of maybe, mm -hmm. you know, four to six sessions so that you can like slowly really absorb your chart instead of getting like thrown into the deep end. 
I know I've felt that way in the past with like astrology charts where they're kind of like, well, this point and this point and this point and this point, and this is your Venus and this is your Jupiter and this is the house. And, and you're going as your eyes glaze over and you're like, this is really cool. I guess I'll get it framed. I'm not sure how to use this. And the big thing that we're about that we've talked about from the start is that we're about actionable steps. Yes. And that's one of the reasons human design has resonated so deeply is there are so many actionable steps to exactly. human design. And that's what we're going to be working on. So we will be working on packages later on. Right now, we really just want to do initial readings for as many people as we can because we really want to spread this information. We really want to help people get aligned with this. We're still offering web design packages. Those web design packages have taken a bit of a turn, which I talked about in the episode that we'll never draft. But the web design packages will be packages. I'm not going to be doing the VIP days slash Luna Spark templates. It's just not really feeling aligned with me. So any web design or branding design moving in the future will be branding and web design in addition to coaching. Because the thing that isn't in alignment with me is giving people a piece of the puzzle and seeing how blind they're going into business. They know they need a website or they know they need a logo, but then they aren't doing any of the other foundational steps that set you up for success. And I just don't have the stomach to give people a piece without the whole. Mm -hmm. And so my web design packages come with branding and they come with coaching and they are integrated. If you're looking for a designer that will just give you what you're asking for and not give you any feedback and not help you around starting your business or growing your business. There are a lot of amazing people I can recommend, Right. <laughs> but I, I need to be able to really help coach people through the process and not just give them a piece of the puzzle. I mean, it would be like giving people a car without any engine in it and being like, well, here's the car. You have to get the engine mm -hmm. somewhere else. Exactly. And I'm just, it, it really is, stealing energy from my soul to give people that one piece and then see them have no idea how to use it or yeah. utilize it. And I see so many people that have a website that are not utilizing it at all, have great logos and branding, but they have no concept of branding identity and how much that goes way beyond colors and pretty pictures. Right. So I, I just can't do that piece without the coaching piece anymore. But we will still be offering those packages and there will be a pricing guide still on the website. We are in the midst of switching everything over so that human design is fully integrated because it is going to be a part of everything that we're doing moving forward. Yeah. And we'll still be doing, you know, some of the law of attraction stuff. But yeah, it'll be, in, be it. it'll be in the direction and integrated with human design. Yes. And like she had mentioned a little bit earlier, we are going to be doing lives where we'll give people the opportunity to send in their charts and we'll be doing rapid fire chart readings with integrated meshes messages. I think I had talked a little bit about this before, but I'm working on an Oracle deck. That Oracle deck will also be heavily influenced by the human design moving forward. And that is going to be coming shortly. I noticed while it was updating the human design on the website that a lot of people have gone to the Oracle page that it's coming soon and then they so that's going to be coming shortly. I'm, I'm working on that in addition to deepening our understanding of human design at every level. And we can't wait to start doing readings. No, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be so... We are going to shut up about it. It's it'll be, be really fun. fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah. it's going to be so exciting to see people have the light bulb turn. 
Yeah. I'm excited about it. Very much so. Very, very much. And we are working on a, a more in-depth report that you'll be able to buy if you're not quite at the place where you want a reading yet. That bigger report, I think it's going to be around between 11 and 20 pages probably. And it will come with a coupon for the reading. So if you're like hesitant, do I get a, you know, a more in-depth report or do I buy a reading? There will be a coupon so that you can kind of almost buy that more detailed report as a down payment <laughs> because I want to encourage people to get readings because the readings are going to be where you're going to get really uber specific to you. Right. More so than just, you know, type strategy and that kind of stuff. And again, we'll be really spending time on intuitive messages for you as well. Okay. That was a very heavy and probably uber long episode, but we did skip last week. So this one being a little bit longer, I don't feel as bad. We're making up for lost time. And we are going to, hopefully, you're going to be listening to this on Friday, the 27th. But depending on the internet and Premiere and YouTube and all of the things, this may be going up on Saturday, in which case, happy eclipse. It is the full moon and it is a partial lunar eclipse and yeah. everything that entails. So make sure you're getting all of those last minute kind of housekeeping and cleaning things out of the way. Yeah, because we're moving into a very new energy after after Saturday, the 28th, and into a very new, a new phase of, of growth and evolution. So get get your, uh, what's that term? Uh, hens in a row? What is, what's that? Term? Get uh, all your ducks in a row. Get all your ducks in a row for the eclipse. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs> okay, bye. bye.